Are you a Dragon Boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon-fiber Dragon Boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the Dragon Boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Thanks for listening. On this episode, Jill Stutton Gresham from Cleveland, Ohio, joined us on the podcast. Jill was diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer at the age of 36 in 2004. She shared her complications with breast cancer treatments. Four years after her breast cancer diagnosis, she was also diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Take a listen in. You don't want to miss Jill's story. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Jill Gresham. And Jill is a 15-year breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed at the age of 36 with stage 2 cancer. So welcome to, this sh- welcome to the show, Jill. I'm so glad to have you with us. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit. Um, you know, it's been 15 years since your diagnosis, but I'd love to, um, you know, kind of have that conversation to talk about, you know, how you found the, the breast cancer, um, you know, how that all kind of came about, if you went in for a mammogram, if you, um, you know, just found it through a self-breast exam or, you know, what kind of took place. So how did you, how did you find it? So I did find a lump through self-examination and I was considered high risk because of my family history and, um, had an appointment for my, uh, every, for my six month checkup. And um, they could not see the lump that I felt on mammograms, so they did an ultrasound, which then turned to a um, needle biopsy right then and there in the office. Wow. They um, just get this done. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Um, and the biopsy came back atypical lobular hyperplasia. And my surgeon at the time felt that... It was um, that this type of cell usually does turn to cancer. And with my family history, they initially recommended a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy. So let me go back real quick. Um, (laughs) Sure. So you were 36, you were high risk, you had this history of, um, I mean, a significant history in your family of cancer. And so were you getting mammograms at that point in time because you were high risk or were you just directed to do self-breast exams? I was getting uh, mammograms every year. Okay. So before you found that lump, when was the last mammogram? Do you remember? It was one year prior. I had been getting mammograms since I was 28. Okay. 
Wow. Yeah, that's because of the family history. Sure. Um, you know, our doctors felt that it was important to try to be ahead of it. Fantastic. Yeah. Go for your, yeah. you know, yay for your doctor. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Very lucky. Very, very lucky. Okay. Yes. So, so it was almost a year later that you through self breast exam found this lump and then you went in and had further assessment. Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you get the diagnosis and then, um, I, I know I cut you off there, but, um, so then no, your doctor, fine. your doctor recommended, um, what did your doctor recommend? Sorry. Pro, no, you're fine. Prophylactic <laughs> bilateral mastectomy, but okay. he wanted an MRI, uh, before the surgery to, because they felt at that time that an MRI was picking up things that, you know, a mammogram wasn't right in younger women. Um, and it was a little bit of a fight with the hospital to do the MRI. They didn't think it was necessary, but finally they agreed. And they found that I did in fact have breast cancer in the other breast. Oh, wow. Not the one that the biopsy was done, the other one. And not the one that had the lump. No. <laughs> that is fascinating. No. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if you... Crazy. I mean, I mean, you would have gone in for your annual mammogram anyways, but maybe you went a little bit earlier because you found this lump. Correct. Um, and But the lump I found, they couldn't even see it on the mammogram at all. That's so crazy. But when they did, like, I'm assuming they would have done some kind of exam where they were physically touching yes. and they could feel yes. it. They could feel it when I showed them, you know, where it was. They could feel that, yes, there is a lump there. Wow. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of baffled in terms of like, you found a lump on one side, you go in, yes. they do all of this yes. stuff. And you know, I mean, realistically they're, um, you know, the mammogram is both sides usually. Um, yes. I only had one, so I, I really don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is definitely both sides. Um, and then they're doing the ultrasound and the biopsy and everything is focused on that specific breast where you found the lump and then turns out that you had breast cancer in the other. Yes. Wow. That they could see on the MRI. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just, I, I, I've not ever heard that yes. before. So it was crazy. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. It was a <laughs> whirlwind. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a little bit about your family history, because I, I certainly want to talk about, um, you know, the different uh, choices that you made in terms of treatments and those kind of things. But sure. in terms of that family history, so how significant was it? I mean, are we talking like generations of family members that you're aware of? Yes. That, okay. My mother, my mother's mother, my mother's sister, my mother's first cousin, and then my sister was diagnosed after me. Okay. And all breast cancer? All breast cancer. I did have, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2008. Oh my gosh. Yes. So were you <laughs> tested for the genetic mutation? I mean, that 2004 yes. was really kind of when things started popping up in terms of getting the genetic yes. testing done. So you did. And then was it positive? I no, we are gene negative. Gene negative. Just and I was just re no, and I was just retested in February of this year, and I'm still still gene negative for the genes they've isolated. Hmm. I know they have more work to do. 
Yes, they have a little more work to do. <laughs> yeah, there, there's. I wholeheartedly believe that there are many other genes that are in existence that are Absolutely. connected to this because it doesn't make sense in my mind that you would have so much significant family history and there not be some kind of connection. Correct. Exactly. And only one out of everyone in my family who was diagnosed was after menopause. Everyone else was pre-menopause. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And so were they also tested for the genetic mutation? So my mother was tested first, and then um, we're Ashkenazi Jewish. I'm, I'm Ashkenazi on both sides, my mother and father. Okay. So I was tested because they thought I could potentially have the gene from my father's side, although it was unlikely. And um, so, and then I just, I was tested again because there was no reason for anyone else to be tested since I was negative. Right. If that makes sense at all. Yeah, it does. It does. So all of those people that were um, on your mom's side, because your mom was negative, they were like, you know, they, yeah. these people don't need yes. to be tested, but because Correct. obviously you have a mom and a dad, um, <laughs> right. you know, maybe yes, the I gene did. didn't come from your mom that, right. you know, maybe exactly. it came from dad, um, right. which would be so crazy. Um, yes. But I'm sure somebody has that story. Um, I'm sure they do. Let's find them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Um, and then I'm assuming that your sister probably wasn't um, tested either. No, she was not. Okay. Okay. Wow. That is mm-hmm. just, yeah. I mean, I, there's obviously something else. Something. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so you get this diagnosis and then from there, you know, the, the doctor's talking to you, you know, even before you actually had the diagnosis, this is what you should do. Like just go ahead and, yes. and, and have oh, a mastectomy. Yes. Um, so I'm assuming I obviously don't want to, but um, you know, now having a definitive cancer diagnosis, that may have been more reason for you to say, okay, let's do this. Um, so yes. is that what you did? I did. It was, um, I was doing it prophylactically. It was scheduled at the time of my MRI. For oh my the gosh. Ne- for, yeah. <laughs> because they felt they, I saw so many specialists and they just felt so strongly that they couldn't guarantee I didn't have cancer at that time. And because of the family history, I was basically a ticking time bomb. Okay. And so I had the surgery scheduled prophylactically. And then two days before the surgery is when I had the MRI. So now this changed the surgery because now I have cancer. Now there's, you know, they have to take out lymph nodes. Right. And it's a more involved surgery. So, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. But they didn't push yes. back your date. Like they kept the same date. No. Oh, they, they didn't. Kept the they... same date. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's just... me right up to a plastic surgeon. It's like a whirlwind. How they? It's like a. I don't even know how to explain it. It's crazy. I mean, that's that. A whirlwind is pretty much it because. Yes. You're just spinning. Oh, and... I was definitely spinning. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so then you go to the plastic surgeon, you have that consultation, mm-hmm. and I'm sure all of this Correct. is happening so fast. Um, so fast. Yeah, that, um, so you do that consultation, and so what did you decide? I mean, we know that you're um, doing the, the bilateral mastectomy, but in terms of yes. reconstructive options, what, what did you decide? So, of course, 
according to the plastic surgeon that I saw, I had one option, um, which was implants. Um, and they felt strongly it should be silicone implants, which were just newly back on the market at that time and only yeah. available for breast cancer. And it was, I literally, I think I spent 10 minutes with the plastic surgeon. I'm not even kidding. Oh it gosh. was, this is what we're going to do. And yeah, and it's going to be, uh, you know, um, we're going to put expanders in and, you know, that whole process. Right. And um, I was on my way. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. Ten I think minutes. I spent was, most of my so time. so quick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 10 minutes is like, okay, here's your option. That's it. Okay. Goodbye. Right. Um, Here you go. See yeah. you at surgery. If you even, right. see even if after. you're awake. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, wow. I mean, that's, I spent more time at my plastic surgeon's office than probably anybody else's office. Like he was, um, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was the guy that I spent most of my time with. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah. So you go in, you do the surgery, and uh, did you opt to do the silicone implants at that time? I mean, that was your only option. I did. That they said you yes. had. So, and I okay. said, um, you know, I knew, you know, that they had been taken off the market, and I didn't know a ton, but I had knew that, and I said, you know, are they safe? And they said, sure. yes, they're new, improved, they're totally fine, and so that's what I did. Okay. Silicone implants. And then, so after you have the surgery and do all of that stuff, um, did they, did you have to do any other kind of treatments, radiation, chemo, um, so medication? I, um, they did put me on tamoxifen, but it made me so ill. I could not take it. And, um, the oncologist at that time did recommend chemo. But I had some um, quite a few complications from the reconstruction, and it kept delaying the chemo because, um, you know, you have to be in the best possible shape you can be in right? because of what the chemo does to you. And by the time we had the complications under control, they felt that it um, it was such a low chance of doing anything that I decided not to do it. Okay. So what kind of complications did you have? So one, I had expanders put in at the time of the mastectomy, which um, I don't know if everyone knows, but they basically put a needle in every week to two weeks to inflate a balloon-like device to re- to stretch out your skin to get ready for an implant. Right. And one of my um, expanders completely flipped over. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Yeah, and we don't even know how it happened. So I had to have an emergency surgery to fix that. And then I developed a really bad um, infection. And I won't tell you the gory details. But on the same side? On the the same side. Okay. Yes. So they had to um, take everything out clean it out and we had to start over on that side with a new expander and all of that. So it kept, then I was, you know, on high doses of antibiotics to get rid of this infection. So it just kept delaying treatment Wow. and it was under a 5% chance that the chemo would do anything. And I, for the risks, I decided at that time not to do it. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, that kind of makes sense. It's a personal trait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly yeah. believe that, you know, everything that we do in terms of a breast cancer diagnosis and treatment is very much a personal choice. Um, yes. you know, what, what is right for me is not right for you or for the, you know, the next person. Right. Um, but just being able to share our stories and allowing people to understand that it is okay to have a personal choice and you should. Absolutely. You know, it's your body, your choice. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes you have yes. to listen to your body. Yes. I agree with that, that so much. Yes. So with the infections, were they, were they not concerned about putting in the implants in general? I mean, so here you've had a, a flipped expander, which, mm -hmm. you know, in my mind is just horrifying within itself. Um, it because, was. Yeah, they're heavy. They're like, they're different. I can't even imagine how mm -hmm. it flipped. Um, and then you have this infection that, you know, took this period of time for you to heal from. But they yes. were still like, okay, you know, this is fine. Yep. We're still going to put in implants. Yes, yes, yes. So there was and no conversation. Me, none. <laughs> Zero huh. and silly me never even thought to have that conversation. Right. I mean, yeah. I was 36. I was single. Absolutely. I was newly dating somebody. I was like, okay, this is all. I didn't think maybe I was different than anyone else. I, I don't know. I just thought, oh, maybe this is normal. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's kind of it. Like, it's just, oh, well, you know, they seem to think it's okay. So let's. Exactly. Let's put them in. They know they're the doctors. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. So didn't do the chemo. The tamoxifen just made you, you said you uh, had a horrible experience with Ill. tamoxifen. Yes. So what, what kind of, what things were happening with the tamoxifen? Um, it actually made me uh, vomit, um, like very anxious, um, just overall, like almost flu-like okay. all the time. Yeah, that's not so a So they took me off to of it. No, I did not want to live like that. No. 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 There's a there's no. a, you know, I get the whole idea of, you know, let's do what we can to extend your life, right? Like you've yes, had this horrible experience, absolutely. let's do this, but at the same time it really comes down to quality of life. Um Exactly. You know, in the time that that we have. Um, right. Okay. How long did you take the tamoxifen? Um, oh my gosh. I have to think back. I think it was a few months. Okay. So those side effects happened pretty fast for you. They did. Yeah. Your yes. body was like, mm -mm, sorry. And interestingly enough, my mother could not take it. It made her sick and my grandmother couldn't take it either. Oh my gosh. But I just figured just because it something happened to them, I was willing to try it because it sure. didn't mean it was going to happen to me. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so then they take you off the tamoxifen um, and then nothing else from there. It was just kind of monitor. And yes, see? it was. Mm -hmm. I went to the oncologist every six months for blood work and um, had a bone scan once a year. Okay. And yeah, that was it till uh, 2008. I was going to say, and then four years later, you end up with <laughs> this diagnosis of ovarian cancer. Yes, so yes. So were they, were they monitoring you for that? I mean. So n yes and no. Okay. Um, what happened is I had um, some abnormal bleed, uterine bleeding. Okay. And it, they found I had a fibroid. And I, my surgical oncologist at this time, which is crazy, was a fellow 
during my breast cancer surgery. Oh, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it does. <laughs> Hi it again. It was so <laughs> crazy. Right. I'm like, oh my God. And so he recommended a hysterectomy and he said, and I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, your ovaries are coming out. All my tests were normal. There was no indication that anything was wrong with my ovaries. Right. And that's the and I whole thing him. about ovarian cancer is it's so Correct. sneaky. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't ready for menopause. And he said, listen, I'm not asking you. I'm do- This is what we're doing. And crazy enough, so I had the hysterectomy. And um, at this time, now I'm married to the guy who I just started dating when I was diagnosed with breast oh, cancer. Yay. I was wondering. Yep. I was hoping yay. you were going to tell us. <laughs> yep. Yes, we're married. We're oh, still married. Good. Um, and we were driving to my post-op appointment. I said, I'm telling you right now, he's going to tell me I had ovarian cancer. And my husband's like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I'm telling you. We sit down. The doctor holds my hand. And he said, now you owe me your life because I've never been able to tell a patient they had sta- they have stage one ovarian cancer. Wow. A stage I one. Chills. Chills I know. just running down my spine. Me too. I still get the chills. Yes. Wow. He saved my life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, he I mean, literally did. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm glad you listened. I'm glad I listened too. And it's a, it's a, <laughs> the reality is, is it's a very hard pill to swallow. Um, it was, you know, I don't know what the conversations were with, with your now husband and um, then husband, <laughs> yes. but you know, I mean, if you were having conversations about having children or, you know, anything like that, it's right. It was all off the table. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. He's, he has been so supportive through all of it. Sounds like it's, it. He's, he's a, a ma- keeper. Yes, he's a ma- He's a keeper. We'll keep him. <laughs> yes. Yes. I agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you did the the hysterectomy. Now, did you do the hysterectomy and the ovarectomy where they took the yes? O- okay. So the ovaries, the fallopian tubes, and the uterus. Every all gone. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yes. I hear you. I I'm I'm that way too. Um, yes. Okay. And then so from that, so 2008 or 2008, 2008, um, <laughs> you go through this, and then did for that, did they have you do any kind of chemo? Like, what was the treatment for that? No. Okay. So it was um, the surgery. Back to the oncologist every um, every three months for two years, and then I am still at every six months now, but, um, they felt because it was stage one that there was no treatment okay. needed. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. And then, so with the implants, um, you know, my, my plastic surgeon had said at one point, like there's a shelf life, you know, they don't last forever. Um, right. did you ever have to go back in for a revision? I did. Okay. In 2013, I actually developed a contracture Oh, wow. Oh, yes. That's and a, those are awful. It was horrible, horrible. Yeah, it's like it and shrinks to like the size of a baseball. I know. It was, oh, it's so painful. Mm-hmm. And tight and you're lopsided and. Yes. Yeah. So he said, okay, let's swap them both out because we're at nine years. You know, they potentially should be replaced every 10. Right. And so. They swapped them out. I got new ones. <laughs> <laughs> but then you kind of shared with me a little bit before we came on that yes. you had something else come up. Um, 
So let's yes. talk a little bit about, um, you know, what you experienced since then. So 2013, you got the the new implants. And then what kind of started happening after that that um, led you to uh, basically explanting? I mean, you explanted, you said, in uh, September of this year. September. So, yeah. Yes. So what, what had taken place up to that point where um, it led you to explanting from um, or having your implants explanted? So looking back, I guess I didn't feel well for years in terms of um, a lot of fatigue, joint pain, uh, a lot of intestinal problems, gastrointestinal problems. Um, and then about a year, about 14 months ago, I actually um, became bedridden. I was so ill. Uh, I was running high fevers. I couldn't even keep water down. I was in and out of the emergency room. I saw probably 22 specialists, infectious disease doctors. They could not figure out what was wrong with me. Uh, I did test positive for a, a virus that is similar to mono. Okay. Um, and then I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, you know, with your thyroid. And my father, who, God bless him, is lives in California, he's 77, and he sent me an article, and he said, I think you have breast implant illness. Oh, my god! And gosh. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, because he was Googling my symptoms, yeah. and he sent me an article, and I was reading it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is what I have. Wow. I have breast implant illness. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. And you, so, so, and I hear this a lot where people are just going, you know, they're seeing this specialist and that specialist and, you yes. know, all of these people and everybody's like scratching their head. Like, I have no idea what's yes. going on. I would imagine that during, between that time, you know, of, of getting your new implants to, to the point where you explanted that I, I'm guessing you probably would have done an MRI to check for any kind of I leak or anything. Yes, there was. Well, interestingly, I just had an MRI this year for the first time. Oh, since having the no new one, implants put in. Yes. Oh, yes. wow. And they, determ and they determined there was no leak. And um, I saw probably five or six different plastic surgeons in this journey to explant. And um, they all except one said, oh, there's no such thing as breast implant illness. It's not real. Um, it's something else. And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's thousands of women with the same symptoms, and we all have implants. Yeah. It's not coincidence. Yeah. No, not at all. And so I saw, found a doctor in Cleveland who people come I live in Cleveland, sorry. People come from all over the world, too. Her name's Dr. Lu Jean Fang. And this is all she does now, basically, is she's a plastic surgeon, but she's known for her explant surgeries. Wow. Yeah, she's amazing. So you were just like, this is it? It's That's what it, it is? Yes. I'm Okay, so you, you went and you got explanted in September. Yes. And from there, you decided you were going to go flat. Yes. Yeah. I had uh, no reconstruction. Um, I did keep the skin that was there. So I'm not like flat. I mean, I'm flat. Okay. But I still had my, I had a nipple sparing mastectomy. Okay. 
and I do still have nipples and skin. Okay. So it's, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's flat. I'm flat. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. I did not want to do a tram. I'm, um, I've lost 45 pounds since I've been sick. So I really didn't have enough extra weight anyway, but it wasn't a risk I was willing to take another sure. major surgery and God forbid. Oh my gosh. I just figured no. Yeah. And the recovery <laughs> no. and I mean, you know, just your past history of having an infection and yes, all of that process. I mean, I, yes. I just can't there even. There was just no way. No, no, no. Yeah. And I, to be honest, you know, I've been sick now for a little over a year. You know, I lost my job It, it oh my gosh. because I was so sick. Yeah. And so I just had so much going on. I just wanted my life back. And I figured if I put myself through another major surgery, it, there's just too many risks. So Absolutely. Um, my mom, interestingly enough, my mom and sister both went, went flat from go from the minute they were diagnosed. Oh, wow. Neither one of them, had, right. Neither one had reconstruction. So I was the only one who chose to do it. Okay. So looking back, I wish I wouldn't have done it. Um, Hindsight's always it was 20, not 20. Worth it. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, well, so how are you feeling now? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's been a couple of, um, you know, it's been a while since, since you've had that surgery. So how do you, how are you feeling now? I actually, um, I feel okay. Uh, a lot of my symptoms are completely gone. Good. Um, the inflammation in my face and whole body is gone. Uh, my eyes aren't dry anymore. My skin's not dry. My gastrointestinal issues are gone. Um, I do still have fatigue. Some of the symptoms are still there, right? which um, from what I'm told is part of the detoxing process. Sure. So um, I'll have waves of that, they said. Um, but I mean, I can already tell the difference. I could tell the difference waking up from surgery. I could... My vision was not as blurry. It was so weird. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's good. I mean, that's, that's you know, to kind of have that validation, if you will. Yes. Um, you know, yes. even just yes. from waking up, like, yes. yes, this was the right choice for me. Absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, I. it was 100% the right choice. Good. Good. Yes. Well, so we're almost coming to our end, the end of our time together. I feel like we could talk um, so much longer. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but um, so I'm just kind of curious, is there one piece of advice that you would offer? Um, I mean, you're, you're really kind of a veteran in this at 15 years, um, and you've had so many different experiences um, over that, the course of time. Is there anything that you would offer to our listeners um, as a piece of advice? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say I'm not telling people not to do reconstruction, but I my biggest piece of advice would be to research these implants if that's what you choose to do. Know what's going in your body, know the side effects or what can happen um, before you make that decision to have reconstruction or not, and um, to really read and pay attention to what. Um, people are saying about implants or any kind of reconstruction or not doing reconstruction. And then at the end of the day to listen to what your heart is telling you to do. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice. It's not for everybody. Reconstruction is no. not for everybody. So 
Yeah, I love love that you offered that. So I want to give a big shout out, um, first of all, to my cousin, Kimberly, who um, posted in the Facebook group Flat and Fabulous um, that was started by two of my friends. Um, One has since passed, but um, I want to give them a big shout out. I'm so glad that you reached out. I really appreciate you sharing your story and being a part of our podcast. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at BehindThePinkRibbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.